Love this weather, huh? All right. Right. Okay. Daniel and I got a little thing going on. You ready? You ready? I'm ready. I'm ready. Good morning. morning. All right. As I mentioned, I'm speaking today because uh, Ken's in Chicago, uh, ministering to his in-laws and family and his daughter and and their loss. Uh, So please remember them and pray that they'll return. Ken will be back next week to finish the series uh, that he was doing. Um, So if you could turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 2. I was asked this morning for a title of the message, and so what I came up with is Enduring Encouragement. Let's hope it works. All right. 2 Timothy chapter 2, beginning in verse 10. Therefore, I endure all things for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. This is a faithful saying, for if we died with him, we shall also live with him. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. Remind them of these things, charging them before the Lord not to strive about words to no profit and to the ruin, to the ruin of the hearers. Let's commit this time to the Lord. Father God, again, we thank you for the time that we have to be together in your word. Uh, There's something special about being together uh, in your presence and studying your word. Uh, So, Lord, I just pray you reveal yourself and reveal the depth of your word and and truths and encouragements and exhortations and the things that we need to hear this morning. Uh, Pray it all be for your glory, for your namesake, but also for um, the benefit that we need to grow in Christ to show the light in this community and in this world that Christ is real as it shines in us. So we thank you for this word, and we ask your blessing on this time now in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. So Paul's letter is really directed to Timothy to encourage this young worker who's church planting and through the things that he's going through. Um, So it's typically used a lot of times to encourage young church leadership and those going through hard times. But there's encouragements that we can take uh, for all of us in all things, because there's all things that we share in that we shouldn't necessarily think, well, that's just for church leadership uh, and their discouragement or encouragement, things that they need. There's things that we all need. Encouragement is a necessity. Um, we're all going through this life together. We're all waiting to go home to be with the Lord together. We're all enduring things together. So encouragement is critical. If you look over at chapter 1 real quick, and down in verse um, 16... Uh, Paul writes this, The Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain. But when he arrived in Rome, he sought me out very zealously and found me. The Lord grants him that he may find mercy from the Lord in that day. And you know very well how many ways he ministered to me at Ephesus. So when it comes to encouragement, the reason I wanted to pull that out is Paul's encouraging Timothy. Paul's writing this letter in chains in Rome. Here's a guy in prison. He's actually probably very close to death. This is like it for Paul. This is one of the last things he's probably going to write. And he's encouraging Timothy, not seeking encouragement. But he's able to do that because Anesiphorus, if I'm pronouncing that right, Anesiphorus, came and encouraged him. And the beauty of this that I see is the one-to-one. It only takes one. Do you realize that? You can do so much yourself with encouragement, 
with the smallest thing. It doesn't have to be a big, grandiose thing, and it shouldn't take a lot of people. The smallest encouragement means so much to some. You have no idea. You cannot imagine. I, I would probably bet that every person in here has been encouraged by someone at some point in a very small way, and the person who encouraged you probably didn't even realize how much they encouraged you, but to you it meant the world. Remember that and realize what you can do to others. It only takes one. I study this and I meditate on this and, I'm, and I was encouraged and I think about how many times I've been encouraged by a simple text, a simple note, a little, little comment here and there that I didn't realize how much I needed the encouragement, but when I got that little encouragement, it meant so much to me. And what it also reminds me is how little I do it. We have to remember when you get those encouragements how much you can do to someone else, how much you can encourage someone else. And you don't have to think like, I need to encourage this person with this big, powerful thing. It's just a kind word. It's sensitivity. Letting them know that you care. Letting them know that you're sensitive to what they're going through. Sometimes just, hey, prayed for you today, praying for you. Those little, little things that we all can do can mean so much when it comes to encouraging someone else. We all need it. We all can give it. There's no, there's nothing special that you need to be trained in to do it. It's basic kindness and love towards one another in Christ. So don't lose sight of the impact that you can make just as one encouraging one. You know, Paul didn't write, everyone at the church in Ephesus encouraged me. All he needed was an acephorus, and he was uplifted in chains, ready to die in prison. It just takes one. It takes one little thing that you can do, that we all can do. So don't minimize what your little words of encouragement mean. They mean more than you could possibly realize. You'd be surprised how often that little encouragement, you just think of someone and you just drop them a text or a note, say, hey, just thinking of you. You have no idea what they're going through in that moment, how much that means. You cannot imagine. You cannot imagine. So don't hesitate. If someone pops in your mind, it's for a reason. I can also tell you the number of times someone's popped in my mind and I didn't encourage them and I found out later they were going through something in that moment. And I could have just blessed and encouraged them and lifted them up with just the thinking of you. I don't even know why. The Holy Spirit just put you on my mind. So I want you to know I'm thinking of you and praying for you. Jump on those moments. The Holy Spirit's working through the whole body all the time. And it's using us to encourage one another and bless one another. So when you get that moment, don't miss it. You're being used by the Holy Spirit for someone else. Remember those times when you get them. Remember them because they're so important. Now, the reason why I picked this section in, in 2 Timothy, if we go down now to, uh, to verse 10, Paul uses a lot of, in different letters, a lot of ways to encourage. He says, you know, fight the good fight, run the good race. Right, A lot of these things are ways to encourage Timothy and others to keep going. But here in this little passage right here, he uses just, I hate to even use the word basic truths because I don't like that phrase. Every simple truth of God should be magnanimous to us. Even, the, even what's little is great because it's of God and from God. But he uses these four points to encourage Timothy through all the things that he's going through, through all the discouragement and the struggles with the people that he's trying to mature in Christ and the things that he's facing and, 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 the, and the struggles that he's getting from other people who, who disagree and all those kinds of things he's facing, he gives him these four truths. 
Now here's an encouragement before we even get into them. In verse 10, he says, Therefore, I endure all things for the sake of the elect. A lot of times, I know I do, we think of enduring for Christ. I'm going through this, I'm going to endure this for Christ's glory. And that's right, that's true. I'm going to endure this so that he's magnified. I want to endure this so that he is exalted, so people see what he does in my life. We, we do all things unto the Lord. It's all about the Lord, it's for the Lord. But look what Paul says here. As he's dying, he's getting ready to die in Rome in chains, I endure all things for the sake of the elect. Those who are going to be in glory with him forever is who he realizes he's enduring for. It's not just Christ, which I don't mean to say that's bad. I'm not trying to say it's one or the other. But don't lose the elect, the saved, those who need to be saved. God uses us for them. Christ came to save the lost. Christ came for the worst of sinners, of which I am the most. Should I lose that mentality that I received towards me for others? Do they not deserve the same grace? Does God not call on me to suffer and endure for their behalf like he did for me? How else are they going to know how much he loves them if I don't endure for their, for their sake? Sometimes we get a little, once we get our, our spot and our position, I wonder if sometimes we get a little bit, I got mine, what's your problem? But really, as Paul says, I endure all things. This word endure is not, I got up every morning and I wait until the sun go down. This is enduring. This is pressure. This is stress. This is heartache. This is pain. This is disappointment. This is discouragement. This is hurt feelings. He endures all things for the sake of the elect. Why? That they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Everything we do has a purpose. There's nothing insignificant for this purpose, that all, all who are called will obtain the salvation. All who get to hear that message will know what it is. And they're going to do it because we endured for, the, for their sake. For their sake. So now, Paul goes into these four points. To, to encourage Timothy. He's, after again, encouraging about uh, um, competing in athletics, and he gives them you know, analogies on how to do those things. But there are scriptural truths, scriptural truths that we stand upon. And that's really the foundation of all encouragement, these truths that we're going to look at in a minute. This is where it really, really, really boils down to, knowing these things. It's not about, hey, man, hang in there, run the race, run the race like you can win, you can do it. No, it goes back to these truths. That's how you run. You need to know how you're going to run that race. And it's on these truths that Paul writes to Timothy. Some people have actually said that this is from an old Christian hymn back then. I don't know how they know that, why they know that. I don't even like to say things like that if I don't know why, but I found it very interesting because it's almost written in a poetic kind of thing. So this is a faithful saying. This is faithful. Now, in these four things, Paul basically gives two encouragements, 
or, or two, two promises, maybe is a better way to put it. There's two challenges. They're split in half. But in all four, there's four truths of Christ. And that's what's really important. This faithful saying, don't lose sight of that important introduction. It's a faithful saying. It's trustworthy. It's reliable. It is foundational. This is not opinion. This is not, this may work for you in certain times. This is a faithful saying. You can bet everything on this that you're about to hear next. It's critical. It's truth. No matter what other things you hear, what other things try and distract you and discourage you and put you down, if you go to these truths, these are faithful. Nothing can stand against these. These are truths that are a rock. Rock that he can cling to in times of doubt, insecurity, disappointment, frustration. And he begins it this way. For if we died with him, we shall also live with him. You know, you could probably stop right there. Since... Since you have put your trust in Christ and you have died to this world and to yourself and to your flesh, since you made that decision, since you committed yourself to him, you've died with him. You've died to this world. You've given up all its glory and all its hope and all its promises for something else that's better. If you've made that call, if you've made that decision, we shall also live with him. Live with him. We had to die to ourselves. We had to say all these things that I was working for, for my benefit, for, for my glory, for my praise, for my, all my things. Jesus, I died to that. It's dead to me. And that person is dead. I am a new creation. I have this promise that I will live with you. What's going on? What is so hard right now? Know this. Remember this. The old is dead. We have a new life. And we're going to live with him forever. And you live now. You live now in Christ. There's a future to it. We shall also live with him. We shall. But we know this. We're alive in him now. Do you know that? Do you wake up every day and go, I am alive in Christ now. I don't go through all of this alone and wait for him later after I've endured and suffered and I've died. We are alive with Christ right now. We live right now. So all the things that want to give us doubt, all the things that want to discourage us and put us down and say, you're no good, you didn't do it right, You weren't good enough. That's not truth. Truth is you are alive in Christ right now. Imagine being Timothy in this moment, all he's going through in this young church as a young believer, and he's alone and he's trying to deal with all these problems, and he gets this encouragement. I hope it just, I assume it just opened everything up for him. That's right. That's right. Whatever this one does or that one does or this thing happens and I had planned for this and it all fell apart, I put my best effort forward and everything collapsed and fell apart, but I'm alive in Christ. That can't change. It won't change. It will never change. 
Whatever the worst thing is right now, whatever the worst thing is that you've been through, whatever the worst thing is that's going to come, know this truth. If you have died with him, then you're alive with him. He is the living God. And it's not just living. It's living with him. He is the joy of the new life. It's not just living. It's living with him. Ongoing. In verse 12, Paul says, If we endure, we shall also reign with him. I don't think he means enduring is optional. If I can put this the right way in, in, in good, good English words. I think what he's saying is, as you get through it, you're going to get through it. And when you get through to the other side, there's something incredible that's going to happen for us. We're going to reign with Christ. Ken's going to talk about the millennial. I, I think somehow he's going to squeeze it in next week. But remember that. As you're going through all these hard things, and what is this life about? What's the point? What's the purpose? Am I going to get through this? How am I going to get through this? Do you know that you are going to endure? God is going to get you through it. But there's going to come an eternity of reigning with Christ. Who are we? We're kings and priests. This is an established truth. When you're going through your hard time and your difficult time and your discouragement, don't forget who you are. We're humble. I, I, I'm like, I'm kind of be careful how I say this, but we are royalty. We are royalty. Not because of anything we've done. Because we've been adopted into the family of the king. And we have all the inheritance of the adopted. Like a, like a born into the family. There's no paperwork that says, oh, you've got to sleep in that room because you're not of the family. We are full-bred adopted into the family. And that makes us royalty. So as you endure, don't wonder if you can get through it. Don't wonder how am I going to get through it. Just remember that when you get through it, you're still royalty. And we're going to reign with him forever. Enduring is a hard thing. It means there's a heavy burden. If you have to get to the level of enduring, you're talking about a burden. I'm not talking about easy things like, oh, this is a rough day. And we're really talking about hard, hard things. How am I going to get through this day? You can get through this day with the knowledge of this right here. We shall reign with him. Even if you fail enduring, if you struggle and you don't have as much faith as you wanted to have, as much faith as you thought you would have, God's not going to change who you are. The only thing we have to remember is that in the future, in that time, there are crowns and there are rewards. You may not get all of them. You may not. You're still royalty. You're still a child of the king. Don't forget this thing. If we're reigning with him, it means he is reigning. The king is on the throne. 
Again, another encouragement. How am I going to get through this? God, I don't think I can endure this. Your king is on the throne. It's not a question of who is on the throne. It's not a question of, well, is God in control or not in control? The king is on the throne. We can't reign with him unless he reigns. We have a king that's over all of it. All of it. Don't worry what you got. Don't be afraid of what you've got. When you don't think you can endure, you can. Now here comes the hard ones. If we deny him, he also will deny us. It's toughy. In the context of the unbeliever, we know that Jesus said, if you deny me before man, I'll deny you before my father. That's a truth. But how do we, as believers, deny him? Can you deny him if you're a believer? I don't think you can. I think the question is answered in the next one about faithlessness. But denying him, saying he is not God? If, if that question ever pops into your mind, you need to get on your knees and get right with God and put your trust in the Savior because he's not your Savior. If you can deny he is Christ, if you can deny he is Lord... If you cannot acknowledge him, he may not be your Lord. I would encourage you, if that moment arises, when you become aware of it, get on your knees and get right with God. Because no believer can deny him. He may allow us to go through things in these moments. So do I know him? Or am I just saying words that I think I'm supposed to say? Do I really know him? If I can deny him, I don't know him. Maybe Paul has a different meaning in this passage. Um, But for me, I, I don't know. I don't know how you can deny him if you know him. Sometimes there are hard moments when it's hard and, and society and, and things going on to maybe it feels awkward to kind of proclaim Christ in certain moments. It just doesn't feel right. I don't know if that's officially denying him. It's just trusting the Spirit that maybe he wants you to be quiet in this moment. Denying him means you're refusing to acknowledge who he is as Christ. That's the way I read denying him. If I'm wrong, uh, you, you're welcome to correct me or instruct me. But um, that's, that's something completely different. Now in verse 13... Paul says this. Now here's the alternative that people may be thinking what he meant by denied. This is what it means to me. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. Two ways you can look at this. In my times of weakness and doubt, am I questioning where he is? God, where are you? God, why am I going through this? How come I don't know you're here? Where are you? Is that kind of a faithlessness to you? As opposed to, God, this is so heavy. I can't get through this without you, but I know you're there. God, I can't do this. Lord, I need you. God, I need you. But I know you're there. Faithless to me is more kind of like, God, where are you? Why would you leave me? 
He won't leave you. He said he'll never leave you or abandon you. Why would that thought come into our minds? I will never leave you or forsake you, he said. He may let us go through the storm. He's not going to prevent every storm. That's not a lack of love. That's allowing us to grow. That's allowing us to increase our faith. Hard things are there so that our faith increases. It's not the, the, the absence of these things that makes us think, well, I must be so right with God because I don't have any problems. Challenges and storms and difficulties, they come so that our faith increases. But know this. This is so beautiful. If we are faithless, He is faithful. God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He cannot change. And Paul anchors at home with this. He cannot deny himself. What's the difficulty? What's the problem? Where's the fear? He is faithful. The one who said he'll never leave you or forsake you. He cannot deny himself. He can't leave you. Can't. He's never going to leave us alone. He is the rock we stand upon that does not move. The tossing, turning nights. We agonize over our failures. We agonize over our problems. He is faithful. He said, until the ends of the age, I will never leave you or forsake you. He said, take my yoke. How can you take the yoke of something that's not faithful that you can put your trust in? Right? Matthew 11, take my yoke and learn from me, for I am humble of heart. Take my yoke. If you're going to put your trust in that yoke, you've got to know that yoke's going to carry you. And that's who Christ is. He is faithful. He cannot deny himself. Remember the God of promises through our dispensations who protected the seed. The God who's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He cannot deny that we shall live with him because he lives. And he cannot deny that we shall reign with him because he will reign. He won't deny us if we deny him. But he is faithful regardless of our faithfulness. Remind them of these things, Paul says. Brothers and sisters, I want to encourage us all. You may not be needing encouragement right now, but you know you can encourage someone else. Just remind them that God is faithful. Just remind them that God is faithful. It's not me you need to put your trust in. It's Him. He's going to use me to encourage you to trust Him. He's going to use you to encourage me to trust Him. It's up to us to be the reminderers of these things to one another. Be a reminderer. Encourage one another. So the good news is, I'm ending a little early. This is time left over for Ken again next week. So be prepared. Pack a lunch. I'm not sure how he's going to do it, but um, let's close in a word of prayer. Our God of heaven, 
our God of earth, our God of all things. We thank you again for the power of the cross, for the hope that we have that is in Jesus Christ. Lord, encourage us to encourage one another. May we always be encouraged by these truths in your word. Yes, we need to fight the good fight. Yes, we need to run the race. But we know that we can because of these truths. You are faithful. You reign. You live. We believe in the living God. All our hope is in you. All our trust is in you. Lord, help us to remember these things in times of discouragement. And may we take the opportunity when they come to encourage one another of these things. It is in these things that we have hope. It is in these things that we have peace. It is in these things that we have joy because our King reigns. We thank you again for this morning, and we thank you in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Lord bless you. Have a wonderful week.